Hey everybody, I'm Jason Rockman and welcome to the Rockman Power Hour. Uh, this is a very special edition of the Rockman Power Hour. Normally we drop our shows on Monday, but today we decided to drop it on Tuesday. And the reason being is today is International Women's Day and we wanted to shine the light on some amazing women in rock and roll today. Um, we've managed to put together a stellar episode for you. Um, and we've talked to five women from rock bands all around the world. And we've talked to four women from some amazing bands all around the world. Um, and I'll tell you, this list is impressive. We've got some upcomers, we've got some legends, and um, we're excited to bring this to you. But uh, before we go any further, let's welcome my co-host, Ryan Stick. How are you, Ryan? What's going on? I am doing great, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I like your shirt. Some studio. I'm rocking, <laughs> rocking the studio house designs, and it's International Women's Day, and I thought it was very appropriate to rock a shirt such as this for a film such as that. I, yeah. I could not agree with it more. Um, and they are very comfortable shirts. Uh, thanks to uh, Cody and Aaron from Studio House Designs for outfitting us. They are the comfiest long sleeves around. I mean, I, I wear these to bed sometimes. I, I, I never thought I would wear a long sleeve shirt to bed, but it's that comfortable. And when it's the kind of temperatures we're still having here in Canada, it's nice to uh, it's nice to have something comfy on. Yeah, about a few hours ago as we record this, like I thought winter was gone. I'm like, oh, it's going to be spring. It's kind of warm. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the world said, nope. Yeah. <laughs> and, and proceeded to drop a few feet of snow in a span of five minutes. March in Canada, don't ever count us out yet. No, we've got a lot more winter in us, unfortunately. Yeah, I think the Ides of March that uh, Macbeth was referring to was just more shoveling yeah. and, not, and not so much the king murder. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> So today is very important because it is International Women's Day, Ryan. Um, and as you know, um, I have a lot of strong women in my life. So do you. Um, and uh, it, it's important. I mean, look, I think having days for things are a little ridiculous. Like, I, I think Valentine's Day is a little ridiculous because if you're in a happy relationship, Valentine's Day should be every day. And I don't think we need a, a, a single day to celebrate women. But uh, it is important to uh, to focus on this day because it is an important day and it does raise a lot of awareness. Uh, to a lot of people around the world on the importance of, uh, of women. I mean, listen, I, I have a very strong mother. I have a very strong wife. I have an incredible young woman who I'm bringing up, uh, who's my daughter. And, um, I love women's energy. I love, um, everything they stand for. And I think a lot of the times women don't get, um, the respect they deserve. So I wanted to take, uh, this episode to really shine the light on some incredible women that are working in music today. Um, they're all a little bit different, Ryan. They all come from different backgrounds. They're all a little bit, uh, their musical styles are all a little bit different. And, and I think that's, what's going to make this episode, uh, so awesome. So I'm, I, I don't even want to go on and on and on. I just want to get right to these chats because there are some powerful chats. There's some insightful chats. And uh, and it's also a chance for people to get to know some of these incredible women. So we're going to start off this episode with uh, a band who I just recently discovered uh, out of the East Coast of Canada. They're called Mars of Thras. And uh, we are talking today with their guitar player and singer, Trez. Check it out. All right, really, really happy to have with me um, uh, a, a musician who I'm just getting to know now, um, and I've uh, just kind of discovered this band, and I, I really, really love the sound of this band. Uh, I'm talking to Trez from the band Mares of Thrace. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Uh, the sun just came out after a real Halifax snowpocalypse yesterday. 
So you're, you're on the East coast. Um, you know, it's funny, I'm in Montreal and we complain about our winters. And then I remember my friends on the East, East coast. And I kind of have to say, yeah, I should shut up now because it's, you, you guys get some brutal winters, don't you? There's just a lot of like the, the heavens dump their wrath on us a lot. I have some friends in California that I speak to regularly on zoom and, and stuff, especially in the pandemic. And, um, you know, they'll be sitting outside having, um, avocado toast from the avocado that just fell off their tree and i'm outside you know like having to put on like a full body shield to take my dog around the block <laughs> it's it's a little frustrating right oh yeah um so tell me a bit about this band because i you you're you're one of these bands that kind of to be perfectly honest with, with you fell under my radar um but i got turned on to you recently and i was like where was this hiding um, tell me a bit about the band because this band's kind of had two careers in a way you had a bit of stuff going on and then it was a massive hiatus and then there's a new chapter to the band. So tell me a bit about the history of this band. Yeah, we formed in 2009. Uh, it was just me and my best friend and we were like, well, there's just the two of us, but who cares? Nobody can stop us from just making a bunch of gross riffs in our basement. Right. Um, and so we did, and it, it took off in a way that we had never expected. Uh, so we put out two records. Um, the first one we did independently and the second we did on Sonic Onion. And it was, it exceeded our expectations. Um, we did a bunch of touring. We toured North America a bunch. And then uh, we got to a point in life where I think a lot of musicians do, where it's like, uh, I need to make some money in order to keep eating and have a roof over my head. Right. Yeah. So we both, uh, we both concentrated on just having a careers for a while. Uh, Steph went and became an RN and I went and became a video game developer. Oh, nice. So that, uh, is, yeah. That, that, are, are you, are you passionate about video games? I mean, I don't think you'll meet a lot of video game developers who aren't. Right. Exactly. It's something. It's, you why, have to we, it's yeah. why we put up with the bullshit industry. conditions. <laughs> So, and I mean, I had to keep moving cities like for my job and I had to work some pretty brutal hours. So, but like there was always a riff shaped hole in my life when I wasn't actively playing in a band. Yeah. So then in 2017, like I just got to a point in my career where things started slowing down a bit and I just longed to play riffs again. But by this time I lived in Halifax and Steph lived in Calgary. So I just wrote a bunch of new material and I mean, she is, she, it turned out she just didn't have, she couldn't commit the time what with like literally saving people's lives every day yeah. and I just, it's not like i can get mad at her about that but another longtime friend of ours who i've played in other bands with uh said he'd step in and play drums and so that is how the new record was made that's awesome and and yeah i mean listen uh, being uh, uh you know an rn especially over the last little while has to be just i mean it's 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 a it's a bit of a thankless task and it's an incredible uh, undertaking because it's been a rough couple of years for people in, in the medical field they should all get fucking medals as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah no i agree i agree um it, th that's the delicate balance though right being a musician and and especially i, I find you know be, being and i'm talking from experience because i i was a musician I, I i still consider myself a musician but i, I you like still to, are i still am i still am but but i'm not i'm not you know, I, I'm, I'm happy with the fact that I don't do it like I used to, because you'll, and you'll, and I'm sure you'll be able to, to attest to this when you really do music, like the way you've done it and the way that I've done it, it's hard to go back and do it part-time 
for me, when, when you've done it at a certain level and you've toured and you've put out records and you've, you've tried to make it your, your main thing to go back and play in cover bands on the weekend. Like it's just, I, it was something that didn't work for me. It was either like an all or nothing kind of thing. So to find that balance where you can enjoy music again, but still have a job. Um, it's a tough spot for a lot of musicians to, I don't know if it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's a tough thing to, to find the balance. But, but some people, when they successfully do it, like, are you at a point now where you're okay saying, Hey, I'm in this band. The band does what it does when it does, but I have another job and I'm okay with, with having the two in my life. Cause that, that's a tough spot for a lot of musicians to get to. Um, I'm freelance now, so right. I can go tour basically whenever I want. <laughs> right. Uh, that said, finding a, a drummer who can do the same, it, it might yeah. be a little tricky. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, this is definitely, I'm, I'm stoked to be back. I'm, I'm so stoked to play live again and to tour again. So you have a new album coming out March 25th, I believe. And, it's, and you yep. guys are still with Sonic Onion. Yep. Um, and judging from the artwork and stuff, I mean, there's, there seems to be like a, a rad, like fantasy vibe to this band. Um, is that the theme that runs throughout the music? Man, I tried so long to keep my nerdiness and my music separate, but it just didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> the continents have collided. Um, that was, yeah, it just kind of seeped in. And uh, there's a, there's a bit of a, a concept to this album, which is best related. Did you get a physical copy? I have not gotten a physical, but I saw the cover and I mean, right away I see a ship and I'm like, this like has a Viking vibe to it. And I'm like, this is rad. There's a little mini graphic novel inside the liner. We wanted to do something nice for people who are still buying physical media. Right. So there's, there's a little graphic novel in the liner that was illustrated by me and who was written by my friend, the game writer who wrote on Assassin's Creed Origins and Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. This isn't the kind of thing where you're going to go in when you're writing songs that's you know, it's going to be about, um, you know, a crappy situation that happened in your life or a relationship. It's going to be about, you know, people coming and conquering a land. A little of both. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. And, and what I like about this, you know, there's a lot of bands that'll do, you know, straight up technical metal, but it, I, I'm a big stoner rock guy. You know, I grew up loving, obviously loving Sabbath. Um, you know, I'm a big Caius fan. I, you know, all the stuff that Frank Kozik put out, um, on man's ruin, all that stuff. Like I, I, I love stoner rock and I felt that a lot of the, 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 you know, a lot of the riffs were like really sludgy, really doomy, but the vocals brought it to another place. So finding that sound, um, and the themes, like where, where did that all come from? Was that you, the, just the two of you spitballing back and forth? Yeah. Mostly. I mean, I have a pretty wide, like I have a lot of influences musically and I, I right. can't seem to stay monogamous to a subgenre as it were. Yeah. But like, I, li I like the crushing heavy despair of doom, but I do very much like the groove of stoner, of sto yeah. more stonery uh, vibes. Yeah. Yeah. So, in, and in terms of the lyrical themes, can you talk a bit on those? Um, The theme that just kind of runs through the whole record is having to leave home and never being able to go back. Um, okay. Okay. Hence the exile um, and the little the little boat person that you <laughs> that you picked up on. Um, it was a theme that's popped up over in my life over the past ten years, and it's also the theme of the, the little graphic novel. I don't want to spoil it for you because I, I want to send you copies. Okay. All right. All right. So okay. that's all I'll say. Um, in in terms of touring, you mentioned that you you guys toured a lot. You toured North America. Um, were there ever points when you were on stage and? you you let's say you opened up for a band that you didn't think like who, who were the, some of the highlights in terms of some of the bands you might have opened up for oh man uh we really liked touring with uh ken mode if you're familiar with that. yeah of course of course 
Uh, we did it. We did a mini tour with them that was really fun. Uh, we played with a band called Mortals in Brooklyn. This is still one of my favorite bands. Uh, we met one of we got to meet one of my musical heroes, Julie Christmas from the band uh, Made Out of Babies. She oh, actually wow. showed up. She showed up to one of our shows in New York, and she said the words "I'm a fan," and I was like, "Play it cool, Trez. <laughs> Play it cool." Almost had a heart attack. Uh, yeah, there's just there's there's so many uh, there's so many awesome memories, but I'm mostly stoked about making more. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. So, do you guys have do you have plans coming up in terms of of, of a touring schedule and stuff? Like, I mean, the re- you know the records coming out. Do do you guys have plans? I, and I know saying that is very easy just to to throw that out there, but the world. I mean, I do believe the world is coming back now. And we're at a point where we're we're there's a lot of light coming through that little pinhole that was there a while back. So are you, are you feeling that there's going to be some good touring in the, in the future? That's a lovely way to put it, by the way. Right. Thank um, you. I'm pretty on, on the spectrum of COVID public health paranoia. I'm on the very paranoid end of the spectrum. So okay. I'd like to wait until things have cooled down like a fair bit yeah. in terms of, cause touring, touring is actually a pretty dangerous activity that, like it, that's not something people discuss, like the amount of time you spend on the highway. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. The amount of time you spend parked in like dodgy areas of the city, like, and I've managed to get a, just a cold on pretty much every tour I've ever gone on. So, <laughs> so there's no rush. There's no rush for you to get back out on the road. Yeah, I, there, there is, but we're going to play it. We're going to try and play it cautious for now. Yeah. I, I, I hear you on that one. Um, I, and I know that, uh, when, when you do put out a record, it's, it's kind of like giving birth. Um, and, and it's like watching your, your kid go out into the world and like, oh man, what's going to happen. Um, do you get, get feelings like that when you put a record out? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it's kind of weird feeling like, like what, just with the touring situation, it's like your, your child has to be held back a grade basically. Right. And that's, I'm certainly feeling that now, but I also don't want to, I don't want to shove it out of the nest before, if I know there's like a pit of spikes underneath. (laughs) Um, in, in going back to the game developing, um, what, what goes into that? Like from like, and how did you fall into that? Is it because you were a visual artist? Yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm a game artist. And so I, I just do the art part. Okay. Um, Some of the stuff that the other disciplines do, that's wizardry as far as I'm concerned. Right. So you do the art part. Yes. Okay. So you'll sit down and, and if someone says, okay, we want to do like, let's say we're doing Assassin's Creed and we need X amount of characters. Will you, you'll be someone that'll help develop those actual characters. Like they'll flesh them out. Basically. So that's gotta be satisfying when you see your stuff that, you know, a character that you help create being played by nerds all over the world. And that's a, it's, it, it's a thrill that never quite goes away. And is it, so this is, you were mentioning you freelance, so you're still working in that industry. Do you have cool stuff on the go now that you that you're working on that you can't talk about? I do, <laughs> and I definitely can't talk about it. <laughs> so I did so, switch to I, I've switched to I, I work for indie studios mostly now. So um like the, the massive hype machine around them is not quite as mighty, but I, I find it super, super satisfying. So some of the games you worked on in the past, you mentioned Assassin's Creed. Uh, can you tell me some of the stuff that you worked on? I worked on Mortal Kombat X is probably uh that's probably wow. the biggest one. Yeah. And you develop helped develop one of those characters. Which one? Uh, no, I wasn't a character. I wasn't a character artist at the time. I was. I was an intern. So <laughs> okay, but but yeah. you get but you got to work on that game. That's pretty crazy. I mean, see, Mortal Kombat I can play because Mortal Kombat's like it's a button masher, right? As they ca- you guys call them, button mashers. 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's a fighting game. Um, if you ever play Mortal Kombat X, um, yep. there's an there's an icon in that game that you can unlock that is a little hand throwing up the metal horns. And that's actually a photo of my hand. Really? Yeah, I, I had to make the icon. So I took a photo of my hand throwing up the metal horns and I just photoshopped it to make it look like it was severed. But <laughs> if you see that icon in that game, it's my hand. That's amazing. I'm going to look for it. So it seems to me that you have able you've been able to find a passion in music which you still have and then a passion in what you do for work which is kind of a win-win i feel lucky every day of my life right yeah because a lot of people (laughs) and that's what i was trying to allude to before when i was talking about you know musicians are in a tough spot because until you get to that you know there's all you're always you know you're always reaching for that brass ring and and sometimes it's out of reach but when you do grab it it's not easy to hold on to it Cause it, it, it'll, you know, it'll come and go in musicians careers. So I find, I just always feel for musicians because it's a tough spot because it's almost like being an addict, you know, cause you're, you're addicted to, you know, there's, there's a, there's a rush that comes with performing live. There's a rush with connecting with people when you, there's a lot of highs and then there's a lot of lows. So I find when musicians can find a way to create and keep that creative, you know, that, that creative spark going in another area and find that, you know, marry the two and, and have a career as well as have that as a passion. Still, you sound, sounds like you're in a good spot. It really is a, it's a tricky balance. Um, I do, however, I think everybody should have more than just one thing in their life. I've just looked at, uh, like a lot of how, uh, how a lot of people I know, like a lot of musicians I know and live music people have suffered over the course of the pandemic. And it's, it's good to be passionate about multiple things, like which are not related. <laughs> I right. Think. Um, and uh, and today, people are going to be seeing this on International Women's Day. What do you think the space is like since you've been doing music for, I guess, you know, for, for, for a good amount of time now? Have you seen the space shift for women in metal? You know, I wish I could say it had shifted more than it has. I think that women who are up and coming uh, playing heavy music today face the exact same bullshit I did decades ago. Yeah. Um, I guess the positive side to that is amazing women are making amazing music in enormous quantities like if i if i look at like my my most spun records of the like of the past couple of years they're very lady heavy <laughs> right right so i think you know music in 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 general is in a pretty good spot and but but i find you know for for women it's always been there's always been an uphill battle cuz you know there's a, always this extra layer of bullshit that you have to deal with um but with the metal community i find it's it's a little bit um, I don't know. It's a little bit more open. You know, it's, it seems a little bit more accepting than in, than other genres. I think metal is a little bit bipolar in that. <laughs> it's very well put. <laughs> I've found that um, with regards to uh, us being women, like the two original founders of this band being women and two original only members, yeah. people I feel have very fiercely advocated for us, mm-hmm. um, partially because of that. And people have also super not liked us because of that. But yeah. whatever. <laughs> Doesn't seem like you're really concerned about it. Not particularly. <laughs> a lot of people just don't give a shit too, which is great. Um, Trez, thank you for taking the time to chat with us. I'm glad you were able to be part of this. Um, and I'm really looking forward to finally seeing you live because all the footage I've seen, everything I've heard, I have to see how all this noise is made because it's uh, <laughs> it, it blows my mind because it sounds like there's a thousand people on stage. Well, thank you. Um, and continued success. And thanks again for taking the time. My pleasure. I always love it when bands like, you know, embrace their nerdy side and will add that extra element to physical media like a graphic novel. Yeah. And uh, I thought I thought that was really cool. That, that really screams, hey, buy this. It's important. 
Like I just did the same thing with this Gardens of the Galaxy soundtrack. I bought uh, the Star Lord album on vinyl because it came with the limited edition comic, comic book. book like, yeah. Take a, ladies and gentlemen, take take a cue from that. If you want to save physical media, make physical media something physical. Yeah, no, any, any bells and whistles or anything you can add to it always uh, always help. Um, so just a, a great chat and, and a talented young lady, you know, when she was mentioning some of the stuff that she, the work she was doing in video games and stuff. Um, yeah, that was really, really cool. I really, really, uh, and, and, and Ryan, did you get a chance to listen to them? I mean, <laughs> that's are, a big voice. That's a big voice. That is a big really, voice to come out of that <laughs> little person. <laughs> yeah. And, a, and great riffs too. Like it's, um, it's really cool, especially like for like people who essentially it was like two band members but to have a sound that big yeah is all had always impresses me but then again you know make white represent i should not be surprised that two people can make that much noise uh, together and make uh you know make songs that big that's that's the thing you know if you've got certain sounds dialed in you can do a lot with uh, with two or three people next we're going to go to the netherlands to talk to malena eva she is the lead singer of the band gold uh, how do you spell gold G G G O L ddd they've got an album coming out called this shame should not be mine uh some key tracks on it are invisible and notes on how to trust um this was a very very powerful chat this is a a, a lady that is um has been through hell and back and she's documented it through her music and i'm really really happy to present our chat today on the rockman power hour All right, I'm really, really happy to have uh, with me all the way from the Netherlands, Milena from the band Gold. Now, is it Gold or is it Gold? <laughs> we joke about that as well, but it's I, I would say it's just Gold. Yeah. It's just Gold. Okay. I mean, you you have to when you have a name like that, you know, you're open to someone's you know stuttering or. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, we just changed the name actually. Before it was just Gold, but I mean. Try googling that; it's impossible. So right. we change. No, it's it. actually it's actually pretty smart, yeah. and and I think yeah. it's a way to it's a way to keep gold, but it's a way to to make yeah. it original. So it's actually pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got a new album called uh, "This Shame That Should Not Be Mine," um, yeah. and it sounds like it's a pretty heavy record in, in the sense of the subject matter. It seems very personal, um, okay. and uh, but I, the two songs that I've heard um, notes on how notes notes on how to trust and yes. invisible the, right away those song titles say okay we're this isn't you know we're not dealing with motley crew lyrics here we're dealing no. with stuff that's that that seems to be pretty pretty serious and pretty personal um was this a yeah. uh, was this a hard record for you to put together oof very hard i mean it's it still kind of is the album is obviously done but uh rehearsing the songs or playing the songs live is pretty heavy as well yeah it's a very uh personal album i mean our music was always already very uh, personal but with this album i kind of opened up even more uh, about something that i didn't really even tell my friends before i wrote this album so or i wrote the lyrics yeah yeah right and do you find that now that you have that out in the world that you're able to to kind of I don't want to say see it because a lot of time when someone's been through trauma, they'll say, write what you've been through. And then when you can see it on paper, it, it's almost, it comes out of you, but to have it come out of you in a song and to be able to have it there for the world to, 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 to hear and to share, is it make the burden a little bit lighter? Um, in a way. Yeah. It's also a bit harder, I guess, because now I have to talk about it all right. the time, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm happy to, to do so because, uh, well, the reason I, I, I started writing this was just 
the first song uh, I wrote was just to relieve myself from this story. Sure. Uh, and somehow one song became two, and then suddenly we had a whole album. But um, I, I guess uh, opening up about it and saying it was really one of the things I really wanted to do because it the trauma happened to me a long time ago, and back then there weren't really artists opening up about these kind of st- things. And I wish I just if there was just would have been one artist that would have said this happened to me as well, or, or, I mean, even a friend, but definitely artists. If, if I would have been able to listen to an album with lyrics like this, that I could see myself in or recognize myself in, that would have been amazing. Yeah. And I think it's, it's already, it's so important for artists that, um, you know, they have something to relate to. Uh, that they have an artist to look to um, that, you know, as a, as a bit of a, a beacon, I guess, or, or, or a lighthouse, yeah. you know? Um, but, you know, you have a lot of men that have sung about trauma. You have a lot of men that have sung, made songs, you know, that, but, but for women, you're right. Cause I, I feel that in society, women's roles have always been, well, you have to be strong. You have to be quiet. You have to just follow yeah. along, put your head down. And that's not the case. I mean, human beings as a whole have conditions that they go through. So I, I know exactly what you mean by, you know, not having that, that person to say, I went through this here, listen to, you know, what I went through. So I think what you're doing is a great service for a lot of young women. Thanks. Well, what's interesting is that it's also, I mean, I don't want to say it's a service. You can say that of course, but, but to it, me, it it's just like, yeah, let's, not, let's, no, no, I understand. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was just like, let, if there's just only one person that gets something out of this, it, I, I would I would have been happy. But I have to say that I also got a, a lot of response from men that went through this, sure. which I think is super interesting that this is something that is even uh, more of a taboo than right. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, well, obviously, a lot has changed in the past, let's say, five or 10 years uh, regarding, uh, I mean, the Me Too movement and everything else. But uh, it's pretty interesting that there's still even a lot of men going through this and not being able to share this story uh, because it's just so shameful, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, you know, there's so much shame around trauma and and um, and there's so many different facets to it and different, you know, sides to it where, you know, there's shame because it could have been, you know, you could have, the trauma could have been from someone who was close to you, who you were, who was a trusting figure, like all these things that come into play. So, um, and that's what I mean by a service, you know, it, it, you probably didn't think of it as like, I'm going to be this, you know, beacon of light for, no. for, for people, <laughs> but, but, but it ends up happening. Cause that's what happens when, when people are transparent and people are honest, I find that it's infectious and that people that do need a bit of, of guidance, they, they, they gravitate towards that. So you'll probably end up being um, a role model to a lot more people than you think. <laughs> so be prepared Let's see. <laughs> yeah. uh, but 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 purely the music um you know there's there's a really original sound to this but at the same time there's things i find i've heard but but are familiar but in a good way mm-hmm. um in terms of musical influences who were who, who were your guiding lights for music oh this is such a hard question there's so many artists i like and especially i mean with this album before we were more like a guitar driven band and with this album we were just like fuck it let's whoever needs guitars anyway kind of yeah right. <laughs> i mean definitely we're definitely in this this there's there's a lot of guitars on this album still but uh we wanted to just take it in the right music in this like really naive way so just try any other instrument and just see what would happen. So there's a lot of layers of uh, software uh, synths in it and mm. uh, 
we use a lot of uh, electronic uh, like samples, beats, all that kind of stuff. I think that definitely, uh, I think we were definitely influenced by a lot of electronic music that comes from well, Europe, for example, like Am Amnesia Scanner or uh, our guys are really uh, uh, an artist that we really love. So I think those are artists that that are definitely very contemporary. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've been listening to Bordeset, for example, since I was, I guess, 11 years old or something. Sure, sure. Uh, and that's something that that really comes through all of our music, I think. I mean, uh, when it comes to singing about personal stuff, that's definitely one of the artists that I really, really love. Yeah. It's funny, um, you know, being the age that I'm, I'm 51. So I grew up um, when a lot a lot of the electronic music was in its infancy. And it, it was, you yeah. were seeing crossovers, you know, like... Uh, Bands like Joy Division, bands like New Order. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, and and they were think they were, you know, especially Joy Division. It was just, it was the subject matter was dark and but it was personal yeah. and it was and it's funny how these this music ends up being bulletproof over time. I mean, it just it stands up and you see yeah. you can see the 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 Joy Division tree and all the branches that have come off of that tree. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. It, and it's and it's great to see um, the resurgence of electronic music, and especially now, you know, when you're when you're a kid, that it's so much easier to grab a computer and program than it is to pick up an instrument. And and oh my, I I guess a lot of albums were written in the last two years in lockdown and everything. I yeah. mean, we started writing all this new music uh, in our own home behind our computers. I mean, it's such a different world. You don't really have to have a rehearsal space with yeah. band members or whatever. You can yeah. just do it on your it, own. Yeah. It, it's great. I mean, it's more fun with other people, but of you don't course. have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I come, I, I come from a music background. I, I, I wasn't, I was a musician at one point, you know, in my life, there was a time where I was a musician and that's what I did. Yeah. And, and I remember going to rehearsal would be such a a chore you know you'd all have to get together <laughs> yeah. and then there's always somebody that's 45 minutes late and and you're sitting around and then you know imagine <laughs> i know get, right <laughs> right and you're the singer right and i'm a singer i don't play anything so i'm waiting around for everybody to get there and they're all gonna oh let's try that part again and i'm like could someone just bring me like just drop me into this situation when yeah. the music's ready so i don't have to sit around yeah. here and listen to someone drum or tune their drum head and but now you can just do everything on computer and it's great, yeah, but but I don't know if that takes away from the social aspect of it. Maybe a little bit. I mean, yeah. we were a band before uh, going electronic uh, yeah. as well. So for us, it was just like this this little bit of a change. Uh, we still have to be in the rehearsal space with six of us. Yeah. And there's definitely always somebody 45 minutes late. <laughs> and it's, always, it's a lot of waiting around, I know. But uh, I kind of love that as well. I mean... It's so nice to to play live music. We actually did a rehearsal for a show for the release show of this album uh, last Wednesday, and it was really amazing because we were playing with five um, violinists. Oh wow! As well, so we were on stage with eleven people, and there's something so magical about <laughs> playing music together. I mean, yeah. obviously, writing stuff at home on your own and maybe not even for the world to to know about it is amazing, but playing that on a stage or in a rehearsal space with just so many people and then getting that all of that together is the most amazing thing to me. Yeah. So the that. new album's coming out April 1st. Um, yes. And uh, what are the touring plans? Are there touring plans? There are definitely touring plans. Uh, well, the first the release show that we'll do is on um, Roadburn Festival, uh, yep. which is in Tilburg here in Netherlands. 
uh, that will be amazing because then we will play with the uh, live violinists. Um, and after that, I'm not entirely sure what's on the agenda yet. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I know that we'll definitely do a lot of touring. I hope we can do some uh, summer festivals, but I, I mean, it's been such a weird thing. Uh, I, f I feel like uh, one month ago, we weren't even sure that we were ever going to play ever. So <laughs> yeah. it's still uh, in the making, but yeah, we'll definitely tour. I hope so. Yeah. Um, we're, we we put this together for International Women's Day. It is International Women's Day today. You know, the first day of people are listening to the podcast. What would be um, a, a piece of advice or, or some words of wisdom that you would give to an up and coming female artist? Um, yeah, just go for it, I guess. Don't give a shit about all the stupid questions that people ask you, like how it's how it how it feels to be a woman in music or whatever. <laughs> Just forget about that. And um, yeah, but I I really I mean I would definitely consider myself a feminist, and I think uh, I would also consider myself an intersectional feminist. And I think that is really important that you see that it's it's not only. Uh, I mean that that every person is equal, and also it doesn't really depends on, depend on where people are from or what kind of uh, women you like back up or believe in. Uh, I feel like it would be really interesting to see uh, if, I mean, the way I was brought up, and I think a lot of women were brought up this way, was just to, that, that there's always this like um, beef between women somehow. Yeah. And I really love it when, when women get together and do stuff together. So I think what's most important is to keep other women close yeah. to see their qualities. And also, I mean, we have a, a women, woman, uh, technician, for example, uh, our bass player is a woman as well. We really try to, I mean, I would love it if, if there would be more women in music generally. Yeah. And I mean, not, not necessarily on stage, but I mean, everywhere and every, and every job. It's funny. Um, I saw, uh, refused, um, at play a festival in, in Canada mm -hmm. and I'm a big refuse fan and I, and I, and I love Dennis. I think he's just a, a wonderful human. Um, and he came out on stage and he said, he goes, I looked at the bill today. I looked at the lineup. There's yeah. 80 bands playing. He goes, four of them have women. In. He goes, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with the world? And it was just so powerful. And, and I remember this was six, seven years ago, but I'm seeing the change now. I'm seeing it happen slowly. I'm seeing more women have the, you know, have the courage to say, I want to do this. And, and I shouldn't be left to the sides and putting my head down and, oh, that, you know, guys do this better. And they don't, you know, no. there's some, I, I, and, and that's one of the things, you know, and again, I, I'm, I'm a little bit older, so I always, you know, I always think back to this, my time in music was the best, but I love the yeah. decade of the nineties <laughs> because the nineties I felt were, um, a really open decade for music. And there were so many, so many incredible female artists in the nineties, mm. you know, that I still listen to, you know, like Fiona Apple, Tori Amos. Um, there were, you know, Alanis Morissette. There were so many great artists. PJ Harvey. PJ <laughs> Harvey. Exactly. 100% PJ Harvey for me. York too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like York, of course. Yeah. Right. So, oh my God. So it was yeah, a great, it was a great day. And it's funny because I, I, yeah. I, I have a, I have a 14 year old daughter and, and, um, and, and I'm so proud of her because she is her own person and she doesn't look at it. Like she just, she just loves music for music. And, and I love seeing her gravitate towards a lot of that older stuff. And she'll be like, Oh dad, Fiona Apple. Like I love Fiona Apple. And it makes me so proud because I always saw those qualities in those artists because they just did music. And I've never looked at it as I look at, you know, you're either a good person or a shitty person. The rest of it doesn't yeah. matter. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so. I mean, a lot of women get this idea that, I mean, 
yeah, that that other women are competition or something like that. Yeah. But I really feel it isn't like that. I mean, if you look at uh, a bill like the, the uh, at the show um, you went to from Refused, right? Probably there's there's from these eight from all the uh, the bands that were playing, ninety percent of the men even look the same. <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. even visually are just like white, whatever age, yeah. uh, similar kind of guys, and somehow there's this there's always this competition between w- women, but it doesn't really. I mean, don't focus on it. I mean, it's just do whatever you want to do, and and don't see that. Don't yeah, don't buy that competition kind of idea i mean it's yeah. just there's yeah. room for everyone i'm I agree. 100% I agree sure yeah and you, and you can't keep something unless you give it away so that's exactly that's, that's a good one <laughs> thank you yeah. so much for taking the time today i really appreciate thank it you. and uh, and i hope yeah. to see you in canada sometime it'll be great to, to, oh, to see that will be amazing live. oh i wish <laughs> let's do that <laughs> yes continued success and we'll talk soon thanks Awesome. What a lovely person and such a cool band too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, just from the, just from the promo photos, you know, she's dressed as Joan of Arc um, and she's got full armor on. I was just like, wow, right away you're taken from those pictures. And uh, I'm looking forward to finally being able to see them here in Canada. Another band that is like just popping right now in Europe. So I'm really, really glad we got to talk to her. Um, So next up today on our uh, special episode, Celebrating Women for International Women's Day, we're going to talk to uh, someone who I've known for quite a while. Um, I first met her probably about nine years ago when she put out her first album, um, or she was in the process of putting out her first album. She had been a guest on my, uh, on my radio show a few times and, uh, and I followed her career for a while. We've become friends. And, um, I, I gotta tell you, you know, this, this lady grew up in a house where music was everywhere around her. Her dad's Neil Osborne from band 5440. So, uh, 5440, you know, Canadian rock royalty, as I like to refer them to, uh, refer them as. And, um, Candle grew up around music her whole life. And I think she knew from a young age, she was going to be, she was going to be a musician. And this is a great chat because you get to really, really see what musician musicians go through. Uh, it's not always the easiest road, but, uh, but Candle's an artist I believed in for a long, long time. I think she's got a tremendous tremendous amount of potential and she's shown it in the music she's recorded her new album set the fire is just phenomenal it's just so so good and uh and i'm a big fan of records that bring you to another place and that's a record that brings me to another place her voice is unique and um and she's definitely a talent to be reckoned with so here is my conversation with candle the funny thing is i can't get mad at you because i asked you to wake up at seven in the morning (laughs) Dude, I'm a musician. I got up at 6.30 for you, which is really hard. And then my computer broke, like full on. It <laughs> broke, so I was rummaging through my roommate's room and I was like guessing her password. <laughs> and then working and, and then I realized her Wi-Fi was off. I was like, fuck, what do I do? And this is like, there's only two of these so far. There needs to be more. Is that coffee? Okay, good. All right. As long as it's nothing, um, nothing worse. What's the worst thing, Bobby? The hair that the hair, the hair, the hair of the dog that bit you the night before. You know, sometimes if you have a couple of those, that'll help you. But I don't like. I can't really drink, and I'm still hungover every day. It's amazing. (laughs) One of my many talents is feeling like shit. 
Well, thank you for for agreeing to be on. I know it was last minute, and um, but we really wanted to do something fun for International Women's Day, so uh, we put together oh, yeah. a really cool show with a bunch cool. of really strong female artists, and uh, and it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be really really cool. So I'm glad you agreed to be part You're of it. You're making it. Yeah, <laughs> everything you make is cool. I try. I try. We have that. Done. Yeah. So you're so you're get, you're going back out on the road for the first time in forever. How does that feel? I'm really weirded out by it. Okay. Like some people are just very eager and excited. And I think, you know, it's like the most natural thing in the world for them. But like for me, I mean, as you know, I'm I'm highly sensitive person. And yeah, I spent two years like afraid to go to the grocery store and like yeah. haven't seen a human face. So like right, or at least half or at least the full full one yeah yeah so to be like on a stage again you know in the next two weeks I'm actually forcing myself to go to some friend shows and stuff to just remember what it's like and I I went last night and saw a girlfriend of mine Louise Burns play in a band called Golden Youth and I was like oh yeah okay I'm like some stand up there and we what do we do yeah it's (laughs) it's it's weird you know like I'm somebody that used to go to a lot of live shows and the first live shows I went back to the last show that I went to before the pandemic was we did a rock room at Shome, and we had the beaches. We had the, it was actually for international women's day, which is ironic because it was two years ago today. Um, yeah, that was the first day I started making my new record and we got quarantined in the studio. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. So, so everything kind of went to shit. And the first live shows I went to were at FMR up in oh, ABCD, okay. which which you've been to right you've played yeah. yeah so and that festival i was you know leaving to go to that festival I was saying to myself how are they going to be able to do that distance because that place is usually you know it gets pretty messy halfway through the weekend but yeah. it felt great to go to a live show again and i remember but there was this whole panic like am i going to get covid like i have a mask on some people don't have masks on anymore it's, it so this just whole panic and then when i finally got covid um right before christmas I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop and I'm like, all right, I have it. I'm positive. I got a PCR. I'm positive. You know, I did all the tests I needed to do. And then I'm sitting there waiting for this horrible thing to happen. <laughs> and no, I had, it was like, I've had worse colds, but I think it's, it's just the buildup of all of the people saying, you know, over the last, all the stories you've heard. And, and I'm not belittling anything because I know a lot of people did get really sick. A lot of people lost their lives, but yeah. there's also the panic that. Yeah. So, you know, talking about that, but it did, it does feel good when you go to a live show again. Cause then it's kind of like, it's kind of like going back to the gym when you haven't been in two years and then you finally go back and it's that first day where you're like, Oh, I'm going to, this is going to suck. And then you do it and you feel good. But then two days later, you are in so walk. much pain. You can't walk. You can't sit, you know, you can't go to the bathroom. You're just like, ah, I shouldn't have done those squats. And, but then you get back. It's like muscle memory. So I'm, I'm sure once you get back on stage, it's going to be like nothing. It's going to be the same. I'm hoping it'll be like that. I did three shows in Toronto uh, early December, like three in a row after yeah, nothing. I'm, I, remember, I remember talking to you before them and you were nervous <laughs> as hell. And then I got sick for two months after. <laughs> and I'm like, what is that saying? Like, I, I was working up the courage. You know, I'm like, I got this. It's going to be like riding a bike. I've been yeah. doing this my whole life. And then. First I got COVID and then I was in the ER and like, I was down for two months on like six different antibiotics. And I'm like, so is that what happens when I take my mask off and sing? Cause that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Well, what, one thing I've always liked about you 
is, I mean, and you know, I was looking through before we got on the phone, uh, before on the, got on Zoom, I was looking through and I remember I found this from, no way. You know, but what I really liked was I found this and it really, I love, I love keeping things. I love like memories and stuff. And this gave me an actual date. So this is the 5th of March, 2014. And that was your album okay. launch. <laughs> that was your album launch. Wow. So, and I remember um, Dare to Care reached out to me and asked me if I would um, intro you. So I introed your album launch. And so it made me realize that's it's been eight years. So it's a while. And what I like about you is that you don't give up. And and because I recognize the talent early on, but you don't give up and you you've achieved some really cool things in your career, but you don't give up. You know, no matter what someone comes like, no matter what adversity you face, you always find a way to come across on the other side of it. And I remember when you launched this record. And then I remember when you started doing some stuff with Jack White. And it was like, it was crazy. Like all these things were happening because I really believe that people will recognize talent. But sometimes an artist just needs to go through these trials and tribulations to get to the other side of it. To, and I don't know what it is, but when you get validation from outside people that have no skin in the game and are just looking at you as an artist and you get that kind of validation, like you've gotten to me, it says you're on the right track. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying to you? Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, most of my career has been getting screwed over and yeah. betrayed and like, yeah, I'm happy that you still see me that way because honestly, I get pretty tired of fighting. And and once you've achieved a certain level of success, like I, I had, and then you know, like was left in a situation with no team and nothing but an NDA. I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, how yeah. far I've fallen, and it's really, it's really hard. Like I miss, I miss having a team. I'm definitely a team player, and I'm a person that really likes collaboration and validation because I'm an insecure songwriter and everything I do now I do completely alone and yeah. I write a song and I have no one to send it to and I have an idea and I have no one to tell and it's like it's different not what I wanted at all and it's cool that I've got control over everything for the first time in my life I own all my records again for the first time in my life but I also don't really want to be that person like I didn't start writing songs to be in the music industry the music industry is something I've always hated right and I've experienced like the worst of it that yeah. can be imagined and I'm like no 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 this isn't what I want I just wanted to make the art but the thing is <laughs> you're still making the art which means that oh, yeah. you have you have stuff that needs to come out and and the art oh. that you're making is good I mean the new record is really really solid and I told you that from when I first heard it to now um, I've listened to it. It sat with me. Um, and I think that you're, I think you're doing it for the right reasons because you need to create. And, and that's what I like. You don't give up because it has to come out of you. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few times, especially when I was in my like third legal battle or whatever, that I was like, what am I doing this for? I should yeah. just stop. I'm so tired. I'm so over it. And I just kept writing songs and I realized when I'm writing songs, it's the only time in my life that I'm in that like flow state. And it's the only time I experience like pure joy Right, is <laughs> the creative process. It's not all the rest of it for me, like performing, you know, I've always had anxiety, but I like performing and all the other parts of the job. I love making the visual art and I yeah. love playing with people, but it's the creative process and creating a song that like, gets me off and gets me excited and like 
makes me feel like I have a purpose. So I, I kind of feel like I have no choice but to do that. And obviously I'm deep in writing the next one already. <laughs> right, right. So now that you, you know, you put um, Set the Fire came out, I think it was, this is 2021, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So when this came out, um, the launch was obviously underwhelming because you couldn't do anything, right? But, but the thing is, the record's there. And now you can push the record. And now you're going out on the road and you're starting to do stuff. Is it exciting? I mean, when you did those three shows in Toronto and, and, and the prospect of playing some of these songs live, are you excited about that again? Uh, yes and no. Um, so like, I don't have a, a band anymore. Right. right. So I have some, some cool people that's for hire and I've kind of picked a set that I know like can do no wrong. Right. Um, Cause we have one rehearsal before we hit the road and I'm like, <laughs> that wouldn't be ideal so like a song like honey trap on the record which i've been dying to do live i don't think we're gonna do because it changed it changes tempo four times yeah it has like eight backing vocal parts and it's and we have one four hour rehearsal that my bass player can't attend so i'm like so it's like yeah but but, (laughs) but to me this is classic candle this is always how it is for you and you come out on the other end of it and you come out on top so it's just well, I think there's something charming about the shit show of it all. Like it yeah. is rock and roll, you know, right. and we're going to stand there and we're going to play a show and it's going to be fun. It's going to be funny and it's going to be powerful. It, it'll probably just be a little messy. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that you're um, you're already into writing the new record. Um, yeah. Do you find that now with a bit and I, this is a common thing I've gotten from a lot of artists that have had this two year break. Do you find that you've kind of gotten yourself in a position where you're ahead of the game for the first time? If things, if the trajectory continues, like you'll have music ready and. No, (laughs) (laughs) during COVID, I think was the busiest I've ever been in my life to the point that like I got quite unhealthy. Right. But I was so like, I won my legal battle the first day of the lockdown. So wow. I had been waiting for four years to be allowed to release music again, to be allowed to do anything because I was stuck in a deal. Right. And so I basically said, F this, I'm starting my own company. And I worked my ass off all through COVID. I built my team. I became my own label, my own manager, all these things for the first time. And I worked so hard that I definitely lost it a few times and yeah. a few big crashes and and it got total burnout. And yeah, I thought it would do more, to be honest, but it is really hard independent. Like there was yeah. a lot of things I was very excited about. And like, you know, it was the first woman on the independent woman on the ready to rock cover on Spotify and like yeah. great reviews and stuff. But it didn't, it didn't do as much as I wanted. And I recognize that that is because I'm on my own. I'm completely on my own now doing this. I don't have a project manager. I don't have a budget. Like everything I do is, is you, is me. <laughs> and right. That's really, really hard. So even though I'm, I'm writing the next record, I, I don't, I don't think I want to do it all again. Like it, it kind of kills it for me. You know, the business side is so not creative. It's not me. And 
I honestly think now I have the skills that I could be someone else's manager. (laughs) Of course. No, well, that's the thing, right? And it's, listen, I know from experience, I mean, I've been some, you know, I've been somebody who's been on the other side of it, like you come out on the other end of it where I don't have anything to do with it anymore. Like I love music, but the idea of going out and pushing a record makes me want to vomit personally. But, but the idea of having, you know, a team behind you, um, I've always, I feel, I, I know exactly how you feel. Like when you're talking about the, like all I ever wanted was to have a career manager. I always said to myself, I'd love to have somebody that was there for me from the beginning that I could trust, you know, this, 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 this idea that, you know, it would be like all those bands you, you see in those documentaries where like, you know, they, they, they helped me from the beginning and, you know, they're there together 40 years sitting back, you know, having iced tea on a porch going, I'm so glad we never fucking happened. I I met every snake in the world that tried to fucking rob me. So (laughs) I get it. I totally get it. But I'm telling you from somebody outside looking in, you have to keep creating. It's important. The space needs you. So, and, and the hard work that you've put in as your, as an independent artist doing things on your own, it's going to pay off in the end when things do hit and you have everything. It's just that road sometimes is like, are you fucking kidding me? You know? Yeah. There's been a lot of, a lot of that. <laughs> and, and yeah, like I'm jealous of those artists and I'm jealous of those bands and I try to not, have an unhealthy approach about it because I'm also very happy for them. And my dad is one of them, you know? Well, this is the, listen, I have never in the entire time that we've talked and we've, I've, you know, we've chatted many times. I've never, ever, never, ever brought up your dad because to me, never, not, not, not in an interview, never, because to me, my best friend. (laughs) Well, no, but this is the thing. So I I do want to ask you about your dad because I've always looked at it as, yeah, okay, your dad is your dad is Canadian rock royalty. I mean, he's guy he guy who's so respected in the industry. But it's important to me that people recognize you for who you are. You know, you're not just Neil's daughter, you're Candle. And I've always looked at you as Candle. But I need to ask you now, after all these years of you doing it, how does your dad feel about that? All this is does your dad ever because I'm I, I have a daughter, and the first thing I would want to do if someone was shitty with my daughter it was i'd want to go out there and fucking kill them (laughs) has your dad ever been like god damn it (laughs) yeah he definitely has i mean he's like old old school rock star right i know yeah so he says all the time if he had to do five percent of what i had to do he would have quit a long time ago right and if you try to tell him to do anything other than the music like he will yell at you like, <laughs> like so if people if people don't know your dad is neil osborne from 5440 who i got to see i saw them play it's got to be in the late 80s at cafe campus when it used to be and your dad will remember this when it used to be up on queen mary near university mm-hmm. university de maria um and so your dad's seen some shit oh yeah yeah, but he's one of those rare, beautiful, lucky stories where the band met in high school. Yeah, they've had the same manager since they were nineteen. They Facetime twice a week for fun. Yeah, they hang out together outside of music for fun, and they love each other. And they just celebrated their fortieth anniversary. And I'm like, what is that? So that so so then for so for you growing up with that that's what i wanted so that's what you're for you that's what being a band was so i i understand and that's what i think has been so heartbreaking for me is like that above all else was what i wanted to achieve that like that community that family that like we're in this together and 
you know, it's really hard to motivate yourself alone and get excited about something alone. Like even when I'm working on a song that I think is really sick, I'm looking around and I just see pussy galore. And I'm like, are you into this? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm like, I don't know. And I send it to dad and he's like, sounds like music. And I'm like, not helpful, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You, you had a project with your dad. Um, you guys did, what was that like? What was it like to finally to, 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 to perform and create with your dad? Oh, it's super funny. It it turns into like a, a comedy act. And that record is finally going to be coming out this year, which will be great. And um, yeah, my old management and old label, they wouldn't they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me do anything. So it just sat on the shelf for like five years. And now we're going to put that one out independently, too. And the whole point of that record, that whole project is just to have fun. We're, we yeah. just like the songs are really cool. They're very like bluesy, hillbilly-ish, dark yeah. rock, like desert jams. And nice. And we just want to have fun with it. Like everything else is so serious. And he wanted to do something different from 5440. And I wanted to do something different than having to be my own business boss all the time, which I yeah. hate. So we started playing dress up essentially and being like little kids. So there so when you think about it you've got a lot of fun stuff coming up on the horizon i guess so i just <laughs> get my head on straight you know well <laughs> to control the anxiety <laughs> i think i think um i've been a supporter for a long time i'm a believer you know that and and i think that the world um the world will come around and the world because everybody i talk to about you says the same thing they say man why is she not bigger than she is and that's always been the same comment i get and and i think it's just because the path is you're, you're heading on that path and you're on and you're on the road you're supposed to be for a reason and i'm telling you I do think that. <laughs> you, you you'll be fine it's going to work out everything's going to work that out. is different I'm like six bad managers three bad labels a lot of abuse and trauma <laughs> but the records are good i think you're going to be i think you're going to do great and i and i uh and i'm really really i, I love the new record uh, i from the minute i put it on i thought it was super strong and i think that 2022 is going to be a good year for you. Ooh, I hope so. I'm throwing like, all this. I'm, I'm throwing all this love and light your way. So it's oh, just good. Absorb- I need it. <laughs> an emo dark bitch. <laughs> um, and uh, lastly, I just wanted to ask you because it is International Women's Day, and we've had some really interesting women on um, on the podcast today. Uh, what advice would you give? And I I'm, I can't wait for this answer. But what advice would you give? Um, an up and coming um, woman in music. Can I write a novel about that? <laughs> yes, you can. You've got all the time you want. Yeah, you, you need. Um, I mean, I, I personally see that this has already been changing in the music industry, and that makes me so happy. Yeah. But my main piece of, of advice would be to always follow your instincts and your gut. And even when you're tempted with, everything you could have ever wanted, you know, your dreams. Do you want to be a star? How bad do you want it? We're on your side. If you have a bad feeling, it's probably right. And listen to it and trying to make music and change yourself and, and change your own morales and, and what you're comfortable doing to please industry people never works. Or if it does, you end up messed up and very unhappy. So just always, always be stubborn about what you want to put out into the world. And if 
you end up in a place that you hate with songs that you regret it's much worse than you know having to be like me and and be independent and be doing what you want because right. at least i i know that everything i do is my decision and no more do i have a bunch of big studio men telling me what i need to be or how sexy i need to be or how to make them happy or if i have my period or not in the goddamn studio <laughs> so don't listen to anybody but yourself love it thanks or for taking call me, call me for <laughs> advice i will answer i will answer any young female artist that wants a hand or a, an ear i will be there i hey. i appreciate your honesty i appreciate your uh your advice and i uh i really appreciate you taking the time to be part of this today thank you so much i will always wake up at 6 30 for you <laughs> and no one else nobody You know, I had never heard of Kendall until uh, you you interviewed her and looked uh, looked her up afterwards. And I got to say, just from the interview, I was beyond sold by how charming she is. Yeah, like she is so <laughs> she's so funny, so likable. And then you look at the music, you're like, oh yeah, and you're also amazing at that. Yeah, so she's that's great. So, so good. She wants to be on broadcast television or be a podcaster or something or a host. She has that charisma that definitely can make people like want to hear what she has to say and not just hear what she has to sing. Yeah. And, um, what I like about candle is that, uh, she doesn't take herself too seriously. Um, but, and she also, she always downplays her talent, which, which, um, I understand. I mean, that's a lot of artists do that, you know, it's, and, and I don't think she should because she's so talented, so, so talented. And, uh, like honey trap, that song we were talking about, um, that's on the new album. She was, you know, mentioned maybe she wouldn't be able to play it because it has orchestration in it. I mean, your song has orchestration in it. Uh, it has <laughs> different time signatures. I mean, she's somebody that I, I really do. I do believe her time is, is if it hasn't come, it's going to come. And, um, I'm, I'm a firm believer. I hope, I just hope she keeps creating music because I'm, I'm always excited when she does. Yeah. So, um, as you know, Ryan, uh, I, I was a musician formerly I do it very, very, uh, very lightly these days, but, uh, at the height of my band's popularity, um, and at the height of our success, we did, uh, Ozfest in 2000. And it was one of the best summers that I've ever spent in my life. And I got to know this young band out of London, Ontario called Kitty. And I've uh, been lifelong friends with, uh, with Morgan and, um, and all the members of Kitty, you know, uh, Fallon, who's, I, I think she's back with the band or she was back or. She was back for the documentary, but Fallon, Morgan, and of course her sister Mercedes. Um, we've all, you know, I've, I've known them since they were young. Uh, we they were always like our little sisters. We always watched out for them. We did quite a few tours with them. Um, probably played in all maybe 60, 70 dates with them. So we got to know them very mm -hmm. well. And um Morgan is is a really, really um amazing young lady who has just you know, she's, she's shown how talented she is in so many aspects. I mean, she's a great singer. She's a great human. She's a great podcaster. And, um, and I'm really excited that she took the time to chat with us today because Kitty was a band that trailblazed for a lot of young girls in metal. There were a lot of girls, you know, that looked up to Kitty and picked up instruments because of Kitty. So, uh, the fact that we have her on today's episode is, uh, is really, really cool. And I'm glad that we both got a chance to chat with her. So here is, uh, mine and Ryan's chat with Morgan Lander from the band Kitty. So, um, I've known you for quite a while. Yeah. Um, I've known you since 2000. We met in 2000 on Ozfest. Mm -hmm. Yes, we did. And the unique situation about you and I, um, and our, 
our uh, respective bands that we were the only Canadian bands on the um, on the bill. Yeah. And besides Pitch Shifter, there were no other bands from the British Commonwealth. <laughs> right. This is true with the Queen on our money and all of that. <laughs> but it was um, but it was a really great experience. Obviously, that summer, as you know, I mean that I'm sure it's one of your the best summers of your life, and probably yeah. it was mm -hmm. one of the best summers of my life. Yeah. And um, but I always remember the bond that our bands had because we mm -hmm. really were we. I don't know about you, but I felt like we were we were like kind of fighting against everybody in a way because we were the only Canadian bands and we got each other. Yeah, totally. And I mean, for something strange about Canadians, I think we just have uh, we have a particular sense of humor and like I, I know in, in the states everybody there believes that all Canadians know each other and whatnot so it's like why not just stick together and prove that yeah. right um but yeah no we absolutely did and I think um a lot of the bands um that were already sort of part of Ozfest you know like they're all it always just feels like you know they're more LA based or they're more New York based or yeah. whatever and coming from Canada you already feel like you're an outsider and so it makes sense to just be like you know you know like kind of band together and you know say a a lot together and <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is something that we did do yeah. um and and um you know I there's not many bands that have done what you you guys did because um you came up and you know, you know, there's been a lot of you and you were quite young. Let's, let's face it. You were, yeah, I think you, I think you were on Ozfest. You were 15, right? Um, I was, uh, on Ozfest. I had just, I turned 18. Okay. You were that winter, but Mercedes, okay. my sister and the drummer of Kitty yeah. was 16. Right. Okay. So I remember you guys were really young. Um, mm. and I remember, uh, what I loved about your band is that people would come and say, oh, they're just a bunch of young girls. So what are they going to do? And mm. you just get on stage and you would tear people's fucking heads off. Yeah. We were pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but you also um you had you had lasting power and you had staying power because you guys kept going i mean it wasn't you know a lot of bands that would do Ozfest, it would be a flash in the pan and mm -hmm. you know it would be a one album cycle but you your band had a career after that well we kept going but it certainly wasn't easy and i yeah. felt like you know there was a lot of that initial hype from the first album and you know right. we got a lot of really great tours and we were opening up for bands but after that things you know they this after the second album things didn't really uh continue to have that kind of momentum right um but we're stubborn of course and so we kept going and uh, uh you know the last album i think that we put out was 2011 so it's right. been a while still but like you know we continued to tour um we had a few lineup changes um but we continued to tour and put out albums um and I guess like I continued to to be relevant and so I guess beyond that initial like first album sort of hype yeah. yeah we did have a career it certainly wasn't easy but um i mean it's great stories and and uh i i can't really complain no and and what was great about your band is that when you were hot at the beginning everybody wanted to take you out i mean you guys went out with everybody tell some tell people some of the bands because i know the bands you went out with but i think people need to know some of the bands you toured with some of the names well yeah well um the very first tour that we did actually before the album even came out was skin lab if anybody remembers that band they yep. uh that was our very first like real tour um and then right after dur i guess during uh when spit came out uh, on january 11th we had just started the slipknot tour which was <laughs> 
like a big scary thing for us. We were like, oh, who are these scary masked men? And we're just like kids, you know? I think, I, like I said, I had just turned 18. At that time, my sister was still like 15, I think. Yeah. Um, and we start, we did that tour with them. And that was like before they were like an arena or like, you know, huge, huge band. So it was like at that point where their popularity was just starting to sort of overflow. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the venues that we were playing were like, Jam. And like people hang from the rafters and it was just, it was crazy. And to be a, a part of that was a huge deal. And then the next tour that we did was with Seven Dust. Um, and that was also a, a huge deal. It was amazing. Uh, we did the Snowcore tour with uh, you guys. Fear Factory. And Fear Factory. Yeah. Um, and that was, I guess, that was uh, 2001. Yeah. Um, and then we did the OzFest. We did a tour with Disturbed. Um, in uh, late 2000, I believe as well. Um, and like all along the way, it's like, you know, we played with like Papa Roach and we played with Pantera. Pantera. Um, we played with, uh, I think Nickelback. (laughs) You guys were, what's great about your band is that your band could fit anywhere because Mm. you were, because yes, there was the novelty act that, you know, obviously every agent wanted to put you on a bill because from, 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 uh, I I imagine from their marketing point of view, the way they're thinking like, oh, they're going to bring a different crowd. But what I loved about your band is that no matter when you got on stage or no matter who you played before, um, you always just slayed. And there was just no question if anybody had any doubts beforehand. Um, and I remember, I'll never forget the first time I saw your band play. I was just floored. I just couldn't, I mean, and, and then right away we were thick as thieves after that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so let me, let me ask you this mm-hmm. now, you know, you've got, this is, we're looking at 21 years now or 22 years from Ozfest. Um, coming this summer, yeah. 22 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. What is the perspective like on that? Uh, like back? looking, looking yeah. back on Ozfest. Yeah. Oh and, my. and just, and just that whole time. There's a lot of alcohol involved. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. So Ryan, okay. Yeah. And l- let me just, I want to let Ryan chime in because Ryan, um, I think Ryan and you are similar in age. So mm-hmm. Ryan, you were writing that demo. I mean, you have some kitty stories, right? Yeah, I was born, I was born in 84. And I remember uh, when, uh, I remember when kitty came out, it was just, um, there was this thing where it's just like, you know, still in the late nineties, early two thousands, there's like, oh wow, a girl band. And you know, that's stupid. It should just be, hey, a great band from Canada. But you know, it's what it is. But uh I remember I, I saw that tour with uh dope and slipknot and just kind of seeing the audience uh becoming this beast swallowing each other up. But you guys mm-hmm. stood on you guys stood your own and it was a it was a great loud concert. One of the loudest concerts I've ever seen. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, I, I still heard it in the shower days later, just yeah. ringing. Yeah, from hearing damage, you know it's it's good when. You got that but ring it, 20 years later. Yeah, but it was super cool to see, like, teenagers get their shit together and actually get on stage, because only in age later did I kind of realize that that's kind of a one in a million thing. Like, mm. how many 16-year-olds and 18, 17-year-olds were playing OzFest and opening up for Slipknot in general? Nevertheless, yeah. like, nevertheless, like, nevertheless, a, a girl band, a ladies band, or bands with ladies, just in fucking general, who the fuck is 17 and opening up for Slipknot? Like, if it was, it was <laughs> a mind blowing experience. And I think that the age thing was sort of like it worked both for and against us in a strange way. Like, mm. we were super young and we definitely sort of you know we we worked hard i think uh the songs that we wrote were amazing but Mm. at the same time people were like well can young girls really write songs like that 
And so it sort of, it worked both ways where people were so intrigued and interested in what we were doing because we were so young. But then at the same time, the other side of that coin was like, a lot of people also just didn't believe that it was possible. And I mean, looking back at like the songwriting, like, yeah, that song, that album spit is, it's, it's pissed. It's a pissed <laughs> album, you know, and it is really good. But yeah. to me, when I listen to it, I can tell yeah. it was written by young people, you know, it's not yeah. glossy. And part of went of uh, what, you know, what we wanted to do with that album. Well, we, I mean, first of all, we didn't have a lot of time yeah. uh, to, to record things, but we wanted to make sure that it sounded raw. It didn't sound too polished so that people would believe that we were playing on that album. And even so people still had a hard time believing it. So it sort of went both ways, but you know what? I, uh, I credit a lot of things for us, you know, being uh, grounded and a lot of them were, you know, my parents, um, you know, they were super encouraging of us. They, you know, they let us do our thing and let us be bratty and yucky and, you know, crazy and whatnot. But they always just sort of encourage us to follow our follow our dreams. And, you know, when I guess even when you're young and you put your mind to something, you can accomplish amazing things. Yeah. And this is the thing, Ryan, um, you know, the, the kitty girls had an incredible, incredible parental unit that were on the road mm. with them. And that has to be, that has to be brought up because your parents were just amazing. And, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, you lost your dad and that was, I remember hearing that news and I was sad for that day because mm. your dad was amazing. Both your parents and, and your mom. I mean, you know, I, I still chat with your mom every once in a while on Facebook yeah. and your mom's your biggest fan, you know, I and, know and she is. <laughs> Which is, and it's crazy because she was the one that was like, you guys are crazy. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, you know, you're going to leave school for this. So, um, so what, like I mentioned before, you know, the perspective, I guess the perspective on it now, when you look at it with different glasses, um, there is some fondness, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, it's so interesting to have come you know, sort of full circle with everything with the band. You're looking back at Ozfest, it was an incredible time. You yeah. know, there was a lot of alcohol involved, but like just to even think now back about, wow, we were, you know, on the same bill as all of these bands, you know, lots of people who have, you know, passed on, um, mm. you know, Static X, uh, you know, Wayne had passed away. Just like knowing that you were a part of something, just that little, in that little snippet of time that was so powerful and so many people got to see us um, and it meant a lot to so many people and, and just to even have, have been a part of that was, and still is such a, an amazing thing, but you know, just in general, like, um, coming back, you know, full circle to where it seems like people are interested in, in Kitty again and, yeah. you know, looking back and saying, wow, you know, the things that you guys did and the things that you guys went through, like they meant something and, yeah. Um, you know, maybe you didn't get the dues that you got, you should have got back then, but it's an interesting thing to be old enough to have things come back around and young people be into it, into new metal again. That's you know? what I was just going to say. Mm. I, I see it too. You know, every once in a while I get a message from some kid in, in Chile and they'd be like slaves on dope rule. And I'm like, you actually fucking care. I mean, wow. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I was doing, um, I think I was on Oceaga or I was on, I was on a festival and I was working, um, interviewing mm -hmm. and, um, the uh one of the people i was working with for my heart uh who was coordinating um we were got on the on the subject of playing and uh, you know bands and and stuff and she had said oh i saw that you played with kitty 
I said, yeah, I got them, Kitty. And I, and I remember her face was just like, you know them? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know, I know Morgan and Mercedes. Like I've known them forever. She lost her shit. And I remember I reached out to you and I was like, Morgan, can you do just like a fucking quick little video for her? Yeah. And, and I remember you did that and her, yeah. so that, you know, that shows to me that obviously a, you get, you get the effect that you have on people still. Um, mm -hmm. and, and when you're talking about somebody who might've come up and they were at a certain age where everything's so impressionable, that stays, you know? So if you're mm. a 40 year old, say you're a 40 year old man or a 40 year old woman, and you get in contact with a band that you liked when you were 15 and they send you a message, that's going to mean the fucking world to that person. Oh now. yeah, absolutely. No matter where that band is at that point, mm -hmm. it's going to mean, you know, it's that it awakens that kid in you. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the things that you did back then, you know, they helped to shape uh, those people, you know, help to shape your fans and, and they've become the, the people that they are, you know, in some part because of the music and the things that you help them through maybe. So there's three things I want to ask you about really quickly. Mm. Um, one of them is, uh, the documentary. Um, yeah. I got to, the documentary was phenomenal. I love the documentary. Thank I thought you. I knew a lot about the band and then I got to learn so much more about the band by watching that. Uh, what was it like for you to see that when it was done? Oh, it was, it was a, a real trip. Um, because, uh, you know, it was such a long process. It took a better part of like th four years, I guess, to like yeah. have everything from start to finish um, and coordinate coordinating everything. Um, but, you know, I really have to hand it to Rob McCallum, uh, the director who, um, you know, managed to, I don't know, sort of uh, allow us to, to shine and tell our story yeah. uh, in our own words, you know, and not really like, you know, impose that narrative, you know, of an outsider and whatnot, just sort of let everybody tell it like it is. And everybody's story is going to be different, but to have everybody sort of come back uh, after and um, celebrate their time in the band. Incredible. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it really was something to see. And it was nice to see that the final thing, um, you know, culminated in a show, um, mm -hmm. and, and it, it was just so, and, and it's kind of breathed a bit of new life into Kitty, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, going through all of the experiences that we did, it was a very cathartic, uh, experience in general to, um, you know, uh, talk with people that you haven't spoken with in years and sort of bury the hatchet in a way. It just sort of allowed us to sort of put all of those things behind us and be able to focus on the fact that, you know, what we did all together was a really, really cool thing. Um, and uh, it, it sort of allowed, I don't want to say it like, you know, it put, you know, it was a great final touch on the band because, you know, we are still doing stuff, but it was a sort of a way to sort of like uh, just encapsulate everything. And um, it was a, a personal uh, journey as well. You know, we were all, um, you know, some of us, we didn't have uh, great relationships up until a certain point and whatnot, or hadn't talked in a long time. And so it was just a great way to sort of um, just feel good about the whole thing, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And you also um, are fronting another band now. Tell me a bit I, about that. Because I guess I, sure I got am. excited about because they're a band right from, from my own backyard. Yeah. From Montreal. So Car Chaos. Um, right. They've been around for a number of years and they have uh, a few albums. Um, but the forthcoming album will be my debut. Right. Um, and yeah, 
great friends from Montreal. Um, the drummer Justine used to play in a band from Montreal called Blackguard. Mm -hmm, um, of so pr yeah, pretty popular. And uh, she's an incredible drummer and a great friend of mine. We toured with Blackguard and Kitty uh, years and years ago uh, and remained friends ever since. And here we are playing in a band together. Um, so the album is recorded and uh, we're just sort of slowly crawling out of the pandemic and you yeah. know what it's done i guess uh to everybody and and to bands just in general um you know so we're slowly putting these things together but the album is recorded it's done i was in montreal last fall did the vocals with uh, christian donaldson of cryptopsy yeah. i went up to his studio uh at his house there and um and did the you know everything in seven days just every day some days like 10 hours a day just yeah. Um, so <laughs> really exciting stuff. I'm, I'm super stoked. It's, it's very metal. So, and I want to ask you uh, about the podcast too, cause you have a podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I and you're, and you have a pod and you have a podcast that deals with, uh, with horror movies, which is yeah. a, you know, obviously a big thing for me. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, huge horror fan here grew up, uh, in the eighties with the, the old VHS. So, um, yeah, I have been doing a podcast called witch finger horror podcast with, uh, two of my friends, Yasmina and Megan. We've been doing it for, I think since 2016. So we were on the podcast train before the pandemic made everybody on the podcast the train. Podcast train. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's honestly, it's super low key, super chill, just a group of friends who get together and we drink a lot and we watch these incredibly wretched 80s movies and we do a little bit of trivia and background uh, stuff about the movie and how it was made. And it just, it's, it's a comedy podcast. Yeah, um, but we, it's but great. Subject it's, matter it's, yeah. It, no, but it's really good. I mean, I've listened to it and, and, and. What I like is that it's tongue in cheek. You're having a lot of fun. And let's face it. I mean, I, I, I'm a lot like you in the sense that I, I love horror movies. I love bad horror movies. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm someone that gets excited when Arrow Video decide that they're going to, you know, drop new stuff. And like, oh, yeah. oh I need, mm -hmm. I need a, a, a deluxe version of Tremors. I just do. And like, yes. I don't, but I do. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to see that you've, you've, you've branched out and you're doing other stuff as well. Um, and, Absolutely. and that you, it seems like music's in a good place for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like maybe once you get to a certain age, it's kind of like, I feel like touring, you know, nine, 10 months out of the year, it's a young person's game. Yeah. And it's really nice to be able to get to a point where you feel comfortable with picking and choosing how you like to do things, you know, only doing things that really uh, resonate with you, make you mm -hmm. feel good about music and not because you feel like you have to or you're yeah. obligated to. It's a, it's a really nice place to be in and so you know it's the same thing with like these shows that we have coming up with kitty right yeah <laughs> being able to pick and choose those you know we've got a couple of shows lined up uh the first shows that we've done since the reunion stuff in 2017 which is pretty wild um and previous to that it's been 10 years since uh our last tour um so it's going to be a big deal. So yeah, we're at Blue Ridge Rock Fest in September, and when we were young in October. That's a, that's and, awesome. Yeah, and, and, and it's funny because I when I saw that bill, I was like, at first I was like, oh, this is just so not me. It's just a few years past me, mm. and then I saw you were on it. I was like, oh, okay, all right. 
Right. Yeah, well, we definitely stand out like a you sore do, thumb. you do, and, and I think you're gonna clean that. I think you're gonna clean that place up. Yeah, you, yeah. You guys... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope so. It's gonna yeah. be really interesting, you know. Yeah. Kind of thinking about how you know uh, you were saying before how we you could play with anybody. Never, yeah, we never really like fit in, and so that yeah. kind of makes us fit in everywhere in a strange way. Oh yeah, way. yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. and we'll definitely stick out, and we plan to play the heaviest set, so we will. <laughs> Uh, cause a scene I'm sure and it's just nice to be you know to feel wanted to have people be excited about these shows and um we'll be in great company uh, I definitely wanted to ask you um just like once again just so impressed that you all had your shit together so good so well at the age you were because I know when I was 16 and 17 I was just a fucking idiot that if, if he I mean, was we were lucky, fucking idiots too. No, but if he, if he was lucky enough, would coordinate himself to get to a show to enjoy it. Nevertheless, be able to play these shows in these mm. places. And I've played with some bands that are cool bands, but it's when they had their best days behind them, but you were in the Mecca of it when everything was blowing up and everything was happening. And that's just wonderful. But I got, I got to say in a world of many people I know that just whenever they had an opportunity, just kind of squandered it, just did it too much. You know, you're a band after all these years and you're a well-adjusted individual and clearly appreciated everything and can remember everything that happened. Did anybody ever give you some really great advice when you were young to allow you to be the person you are in front of us today? Because frankly, we all didn't make it. And a lot, and a yeah. lot of people squandered their opportunities before they even possibly could manifest. Yeah, well, don't take drugs, kids. They're bad. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it's interesting because I think, again, being young, it had so many advantages and also disadvantages. You know, being being so young, uh, being thrust into this music industry with, you know, mostly, especially metal, mostly men, like twice our age. Um, it, there, it seemed a little daunting. And so, you know, we, we were never, we were, you know, we got along great with people and like, you know, we were assholes too. We acted our age for sure, but there was always something that kind of made us be like, you know, like we can't like party, you know, in the way that they might've been partying, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, and also because we were so young at the time, my parents actually buy, uh, by law had to be out on tour with us and not that they ever were like shitting on our good time because no. yeah like uh, my sister puked on her shoes drinking with the guys in pantera for sure <laughs> many many times but you know there were there were uh there were limits um and i think we knew them and again going back to talking about my parents you know just in general uh, instilling great values in us, um, you know, even well before the band, um, you know, and those types of things sort of took over. It was like, um, I just think that they, uh, they really helped to, to shape my sister and I into like sort of normal people. And yeah, like a lot of fucked up shit happened and, you know, we do have a lot of trauma and a lot of baggage, but, um, you know, you, you kind of have to work through these things and, um, we definitely, you know, I guess we turned out all right. And I, I do owe a lot of it to my parents and their, um, their wisdom and their guidance and, uh, yeah. Awesome. Does this, um, does this bring back a memory? These? <laughs> yeah, is that the one? Yeah, so these are the, so oh, man. these are the ones that Pantera. <laughs> so whenever Dimebag would hang out, he would have these around, and he would give shots to people in them. And I remember he gave me one of these 
with a shot of alcohol in it. And he's like, do a shot with dime. And I was like, I don't drink. Like I'm sober. And he's yeah. like, do a fucking shot. And I'm like, I'm not going to do a fucking shot. So I remember he just took it, shot it and didn't keep the cup. <laughs> so I still, because <laughs> I remember oh these, God. like, and it was like one of those things like, oh, I'm glad I have that. But, um, Hey, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Um, it's international women's day and we really wanted to shine the light on, um, some incredible women that work in metal in music in general. And, um, you know, I'm really glad that you, you agreed to come on because I personally have been obviously a, a friend, but a fan for a long, long time. And I've always respected you immensely, both you and your sister, because you got through it and you came out, like Ryan was saying, you came out two great individuals that are killing it, you know? So it's nice. Thank it, you so much. I, it's nice. And it's nice to, to watch from the sidelines, you doing the podcast, the new band and, and Kitty coming back. And, um, it just, I think if your dad is looking down, he's pretty fucking proud. I would tell you that. I think so too. You know, and I, you know, I often think about that and, uh, I, uh, I know that he's, uh, he's, he's proud. Yeah. And, and that's a good feeling, you know, it's all, it's all you can do just to continue to do what you think you'd do and that's it. Sweet. Thanks again. Cheers. Thank you so much. You were saying before that, um, you know, you, Kevin, and the boys saw them as little sisters. Yeah. Um, I was 15 when they came out, so I didn't. And <laughs> and more more saw them as, uh, you know, the awestruck, beautiful goddesses that could play way better than I could. So, right. yeah. you know, we had a different experience with our first perceptions of this band. But, but I had mentioned that uh, I was at that Slipknot show that uh, they were opening at. But uh, I, what I didn't mention in the interview is that I was also backstage. And it's just funny because Slipknot scared the crap out of me, too. But I was much more scared to say hello to, you know the awesome pretty talented ladies in the corner as any eighth grade dance would depict you <laughs> yeah. know <laughs> yeah i get it you de de yeah. definitely different perspectives um mm. and and you know what what they had to go through and endure um was was probably what made them you know the 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 strong women that they are today um but again you know i can't stress enough how amazing their parents were um both um both her mom and dad were on the road, got to know them really, really well. And uh, they were just phenomenal people. And when her dad passed away, it, it was something that a lot of us really, really uh, were very, very sad about because, um, you know, Dave Lander was just a, a wonderful human, really, really nice man. And, um, and just the nicest smile and just, you know, just, he was just happy for the girls, but always watched out for them, but let them have, you know, he gave them just enough rope and it was great. It was really, really nice to see. And uh, it was nice to see they, uh, they ended up being as, as awesome as they, as they are. And, um, so nice. I yeah. was so I was so floored by how uh, how humble she was and how how uh, nice she was. But uh, Jason, I got to say, as we reflect on the rest of the show right now, it seems like every person you interviewed today just had to overcome something like the first uh, was just like the first interview. The theme is kind of like uh, we had this band I did it with my best friend, but I needed to get a real job and had yeah. to step away from it, but yeah. then got back into it. The second yeah. one is overcoming some te something terrible but then yeah. using art to kind of not live with it but just kind of like take it back mm -hmm. and um you know the third interview like with Kendall it's just like here's the inner here's a record label screwing you silencing yeah. you making sure that you can't even put out anything yeah. so you think you make it but then you give your voice away essentially yeah and now and then the last one was like Morgan's complete uh Morgan and her sister's 
inability to quit, despite yeah. the fact that everybody at when band members would leave, they would still go on. Yeah. They kept the band together. The expression kept the band together. Yeah. All these stories that I've at was editing. I'm just like, wow, all, no one had an easy ride. No, none of them. And, and, no. and, and, and let's, let's be honest. I mean, that is something that goes across the board for musicians. It's a mm -hmm. tough road. Um, but there's an extra layer of it for women. And, and, you know, uh, anyone that thinks differently is an idiot. And, and I can tell you, I've seen it. Um, and being someone who's on the other end of things now, and I'm able to help out artists, um, being in the position that I'm in with music, uh, you know, with, with radio and stuff, I want to help out as many young artists as I can. And, um, and I think it's, it's important for, I think it's important for men to realize that, you know, a lot of the times there's men who want to know, how do I be an ally? How can I help, um, help by educating other men, <laughs> help by bringing up, you know, strong sons who will treat women right and who won't look at them as objects and, and, and treat them as equal. So that those are the little things I think that guys can do. Um, cause I know it is a confusing conversation a lot for men that they don't know what to do. And I'm not saying every guy is a creep, you know, I don't believe that at all, but I do believe that it, it starts from, you know, it starts from the parents and it really, really starts from someone being a good example. So this is a last minute edition and I'm really excited that we ended up uh, getting this very, very last minute, but it was so worth it. Ryan Taylor Momsen from The Pretty Reckless, right now. I've been working at Shom in Montreal for about 12 years. We've been supporting you guys since day one. Um, and this record, it seems like we were getting single after single. Um, and the last time you and I chatted on the phone, um, you were locked up at home and you weren't going anywhere. <laughs> Yep. Has that changed for you now? Are you, are you, cause I, I remember you wanted, you were one of the artists that I spoke to that wasn't that much in a rush to get back to things. And in the sense that you were, you were like already a little bit apprehensive about being out, out in front of people and stuff. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think my apprehension remains, but okay. the, uh, desperate need to play live music again has overtaken Super, the supersedes it yeah. supersedes it so no, we're we're very excited we're we're starting tour in the beginning of april now and coming to canada in mid-august and stuff so everything's starting to get announced everything's getting booked and tightened up and it's just we're so so happy to be <laughs> to be going out again like it's been too long yeah it's, I feel depleted and deprived of it and just even thinking about it and getting into rehearsals um, you know, I just came back to New York city, just being around people, like just walking down the street is, it feels very invigorating. So now you're, you're back, but back to the Purell. Yeah. Back to the Purell, you know, I'm still going to keep the mask, but, uh, you know, just be safe because no one wants to be sick. You know, I don't want to get, not even forget even COVID for a minute. Like I just don't want to get any kind of sick. It sucks to be sick on tour. Um, so, so I'm extra careful anyway, but, uh, no, we're just so excited to be able to go play music again and see the fans and, and see people and do this kind of thing in person. And it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, the collaborations on this record, I mean, let alone, I mean, look, the, the, the songs on this record are great. Okay. You guys have, you, there's just something you guys have been able to dial into the sweet spot in rock and roll that there's not many bands that are able to do it um, consistently. And you guys are, it just seems like every time you're releasing something, it's like, all right, they've got the formula. They, they unlock the code. And, um, but let alone the good songs, you have some monster collaborations. Having two of the dudes from Soundgarden on a song is pretty, I mean, that's, it's pretty, you're pretty hard pressed to get a better stamp of approval than that. Um, 
how for you personally getting those guys involved on the track was that was that a win for you personally were you a big Soundgarden fan before that I I mean <laughs> I don't even know big Soundgarden fans an understatement like okay I'm, right yeah <laughs> um so, I mean Soundgarden the Beatles and Soundgarden are my two favorite bands okay so it was it was a huge one for you then it was a huge one and you know and it's starting way back like the, the pretty reckless formed over the love of the beatles and Soundgarden. like they were two bands were a very integral part of the pretty reckless existing and the band and all this meeting and getting along and finding that kind of musical bond um and so you know obviously getting to open for them uh was just a dream come true and a highlight of my life um all of our lives and uh and then that obviously ended very tragically uh and to, you know, I don't want to get into all that, but it, but then having it kind of come into, you know, after all this tragedy and stuff that we'd all been through separately and together, kind of coming together and creating something new was just this very, at least for me, I never want to speak for them, but for me, it was this very kind of full circle, full circle, beautiful moment that, you know, is, it just really kind of shows the power of music and how, how healing it can be and how uh, cathartic and, um, and, you know, and then just ultimately fun at the end of the day too. Like, yeah, so it was just yeah. really just incredible experience that I'm so thankful that they were a part of it, that they agreed to, to play on that song and, and yeah, just a, a highlight in my musical career for sure. <laughs> like, Yeah. There's some, and there's something about that band when they would play live. I mean, I got to see them in 1992 at Lollapalooza and uh, it was the year they, they were, you know, it was them Pearl yeah. Jam. They were doing, yeah. they were doing Temple of the Dog stuff together. Yeah. It was, it was, it was mind blowing. So, so when I saw that and that, that came um, on the playlist at, at the station, I was really, really excited for you because that's, that, that's a big one. Um, and then getting Tom, um, you know, Tom is, Tom's another guy who's uh, he, he's right up there on the pillars of rock. Um, it, when you, when you're collaborating with these, these guys, are you actually writing back and forth with them? Or is it like, here's the song. What do you want to add to it? How was the process for both of those songs? Um, slightly, slightly different, but kind of the same. Um, I write everything first. Like, and I never, I never really write anything with the intention of approaching someone. Like I don't, like I didn't write. And so it went thinking, I'm going to write this and Tom Rose, I'm going to ask Tom to play on it. Like I'm not writing that for him. I wrote the song and then when the song was finished, it was kind of, you step back from it and go, is there anyone outside of my core unit, you know, in this band that could contribute something to the song to really take it to its full potential? If the answer, if the answer is yes. And there is someone, then you, you know, you approach them and see what, see what happens. And so that's kind of happened, what happened with, and so it went with Tom where I, I had finished the song and it was just very, I don't know, due to the, the topic of the song and the overall kind of energy, it just, his, style of guitar playing i thought would fit really well yeah um i sent it to him said hey would you want to play on this and he thankfully said yes and we we actually did that uh separately like we recorded separately and he sent his tracks back to me but um but with soundgarden soundgarden was a little with kim and matt it was a little more uh involved i, I finished the song i demoed it um acoustically or is it fully acoustic it might have been some electric guitars but a very stripped back version of the song um but in complete form. And I left a very kind of long section for, for Kim to kind of do his thing. I was like, I just want you to, you know, free form be you. And so I sent them, I sent both of them the, the demo I had made and asked if they'd want to play on it. And they thankfully said yes. And so that became a very collaborative process where we actually flew to Seattle and did it in person wow. at London Bridge Studios, which is, you know, where Soundgarden made Louder Than Love and, yeah. made and, and you know, the list of sure. records, incredible. Um, 
and that was just had to be one of the coolest experiences of my life. I mean, <laughs> getting to see that song come to life in real time. Yeah. Yeah. Was crazy. It was so cool. Uh, Cause you know, you can, you, you always can imagine, like I, I, I can hear in my head where it should go, where I think it's going to go and you know, how their voices are going to contribute to what I've already, you know, laid down and, and they just superseded my expectations. <laughs> like it's just, I mean, the first time Matt hit his snare, the, the insanity of that power <laughs> thing on commanding authority that he has. Yeah. Like, head goes back and then yeah. as soon as Kim, you know, first note Kim hits, it's just your, your head's blown back. And I was like, yeah. well, I guess we don't have to do that again. Uh, <laughs> we got it guys. <laughs> so no, it, was, it was just a very fun process and a very, um, just amazing, amazing time, amazing experience. And, and anytime I get to work with them or hang out with them, then yeah. it feels like because they're just great. They're great people. They seem it. They really, really seem it. And, I, and they seem like the kind of people that wouldn't get, wouldn't get involved, wouldn't even step into the room unless they really want to be there. I don't, I don't think they would, which is, which, you know, makes me feel great. <laughs> of course. Of course. It speaks volumes about your songwriting. So um, there's been a bit of a time that, you know, the albums come out. Um, there's been a bit of a space for, you know, possibly, continuing to write to get ahead of the curve as touring starts open up. Did you use any of that time for that? Like, are you a bit of a head ahead with stuff or no? Uh, yes. Yes. And no. Um, yes. And the way that I'm always writing, it's kind of, it's just a part of my, the way my brain works. Um, so it's, it, that's something I never really shut off. Uh, so there's a lot of new material, Yeah, but you don't really know what new material where that's going to go until you actually really delve into it. And that side of things I haven't done quite yet because I'm, it's a very different mindset than touring. They're kind of two different things. One's very internal and one's very external. So I'm, I'm preparing to get into the external mode for yeah, yeah. a little bit here. I've been in the internal side of things for way too long now. So I need a little bit of uh, outside of my own head life for a bit. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then we'll be back in the studio working on record number five. And when this band, when this band tours, you, you tour for a while. I mean, you, you yeah. go out, you work the record. So but because of the world situation, I think it's, it's shorter stints, but over a long period of time. So I think, well, yeah, we're going out starting April and we're, we're out for a, a good chunk of time. I can't, yeah. I don't even know. I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm like, two, three, five, six months out. A while. <laughs> Check the website for dates. <laughs> um, and, and lastly, it's uh, it's International Women's Day. Uh, we've spoken to four other um, really awesome women from different bands, different styles of music today. Um, and I've asked all of them the same question. What advice would you give um, an up and coming female artist in music? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I don't know that I would give different advice to a female artist than I would any artist. I think, right. I think to a young artist, I think the first thing I would say to anyone is just make sure you're doing it for the love of it. And mm. there's no outside influence that it, like it's, it's very easy to get swayed in different directions or yeah. be pushed into, you know, a category or to this side or to this side, like having a strong identity and knowing who you are and what you want to do as an artist is kind of invaluable and that and that's not to say that you have to know exactly like you can always you know you're always evolving and growing but but knowing who you are and sticking to those guns and doing it simply for the love of music and not for any sort of outside thing like you know fame or what or, you know whatever it is those things are irrelevant um as long as you're coming from that right place you're gonna have a great time because then that's how i look at it like if you're yeah. doing it 
if you do it for yourself because you really love it, then you're never disappointed because like, you know, one person can show up to the show. No one can show up to the show, but you still have a good time. You can still get to play song and play music for a living. And yeah. that's, that's incredible. And so if, if you can find happiness in just that, then anything else is just, it's just extra. Almost every successful artist I've spoken to will tell me the same thing that their best memories of touring weren't the mass, massive tours. It was the first time they got in that van and they played mm-hmm. and it was the small victories, you know, showing up, yeah. finding a floor to sleep on, you know, getting food from the venue. Um, you know, all those little things that, uh, those that things. They, those are the memories that stay with you more than, you know, the massive tour with Metallica. hundred percent. I mean, I'm sure a massive tour, with Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, but you need, a, but it's all, it's, it's the collective memories that, you know, yeah. define who you are and stuff. So I think that my advice to, to women or, or men getting into the industry is just make sure you're doing it for you. It sounds so simple, but it's really easy to get lost in the, in the crazy industry and to just always stay true to you. And then you'll, you'll always be successful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Continued success. You're a monster vocalist. And, uh, and I can't wait to see where this continues to, because it's been a really fun ride to watch from the sidelines. I got to tell you. Thank you. It's been, it's been a fun one to live as well. So <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Awesome. Next thank stop, you. Next stop live shows. That's where it's going. Yes. So, so, and, I, and I hope that you get through the, the, the anxious, the anxiousness about it. Cause I know when we spoke last time, you're like, I don't want to go anywhere. I want to, I don't want to touch anybody. <laughs> no, I think my, my fears have definitely calmed down compared yeah. to last time. Um, I've, I've figured out how to mentally manage it. So <laughs> I think we'll be good. Very cool. Awesome. Dude, that's so amazing. I'm so glad she did this. And keeping up with the the theme of the show that was unintentional about how none of these artists had an easy ride. You know, you think about someone achieving fame at a young age and you'd think that they'd put their hat up and not really be able to do anything else because they made their mark on the world and kind of, uh, you know, spend the rest of their lives just capitalizing on that one thing they did as a child it's amazing that I heard of this pretty reckless band and then was told that that's a little girl from the Grinch because it's such a good fucking band. Yeah. So uh, thank you for everybody that participated in today's international women's day episode. Uh, big thanks to our sponsor studio house designs, always keeping us looking fresh and comfortable. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, we want to let you know that our title sponsor for the Rockman power hour is uh, coming on officially as of next week. It's going to be this great company out of Thunder Bay, Ontario called heartbeat hot sauce. We're going to tell you more about them next week, but uh, they make the best hot sauce in the world. And we're going to be getting all up in that next week as we bring them on as our title sponsor for the Rockman Power Hour. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, We'd also like to thank um, my co-host Ryan Stick for always being there and um, being the best guy around. Uh, Our producer, Julia Kajerski. And a a special, special thanks to uh, my friend Sarah Lutz over at Looters for helping us put all of this together. And of course, uh, thanks to uh, Mayors of Thrass. Thanks to Gold. Thanks to Kitty. Thanks to Candle. And of course, thanks to Taylor Momsen from The Pretty Reckless. And we will see you next week on the Rockman Power Hour. Can I say thanks to my mom? Sure, if you want to. I would just like to give a big thanks and, and birthday shout out to my mom, who's like the strongest human I've ever met. Your mom's pretty awesome. Despite whatever the hell was going wrong with me and and my body and breaking my face and getting really sick, like I, there was always somebody by my bedside day and night, and it was... It, and it takes a strong person to not completely break down when you see 
you know, someone else going through hell. And uh, she gave me a sense of normalcy that everything was going to be okay because she wasn't she wasn't allowing what was happening to me um, destroy her. So, you know, big thank you, mom. I think I'm here today because of you, not just because you birthed me, but because you saved me afterwards. Uh, Big ups to Ruth. 